Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 27 Anastasius Year 198 Tipitarius, Pumpkin Jack, and the Tree Horse were making their way west when they entered the unfortunate village of Anastasius. Smoke and flames filled the streets as villagers screamed and fled. What's going on here? asked Tip. Nobody answered. What's going on? asked Jack as he reached his long wooden arm out, grabbing a young woman by the shoulder and stopping her dead in her tracks. Marauders! she screamed. Bandits! Cannibals! Jack let the woman go and looked up at Tip, still sitting high on the back of the tree horse. The man trapped inside a boy's body remained silent for a moment as he looked around the village. Sounds like we've got some work to do, he said as he yawed the reins of the tree horse, signaling for it to move forward. In the center of the village, the small band was greeted by a mob of at least thirty bandits. Well, 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 said one of the bandits in a thick, gruff voice. What have we here? I like children. They have the tenderest meat. Cook up quite nice, they do. I will give you one... Warning, Tip replied, to leave this town and never return. This is that warning. <laughs> you! <laughs> you are issuing us a warning. <laughs> Amen! This little boy! is giving us a warning. <laughs> he laughed as the men behind him joined in. Tip shook his head and pulled up on the reins of the tree horse. It reared up on its hind legs, and when it came down, it crushed the leader of the gang beneath its large wooden foot. The remaining survivors pulled their weapons an assortment of axes, swords, and small maces. With primal screams, they launched an assault on the wooden beast in front of them. The tree horse bucked wildly as it continued crushing whoever got in its way. What it did not crush, it scooped up with its large mouth and swallowed whole. Once the streets were cleared, Tip climbed down. Drawing his sword, he took to the houses not engulfed in flames. Most were ransacked and looted. One, however, was still inhabited. 
Upon entry, he found a fire burning in a freshly dug pit in the center of the living quarters. Hanging over it was a large black pot, steam rising from its top. Surrounding the fire was a group of five men, all laughing and joking with each other, none of them noticing their company. Tip cleared his throat to make himself known. The men quickly fell silent as they turned their attention to him. As Pumpkin Jack entered the house, he could feel the tension, and he liked it. It was thick. Tangible. There was a strange, muted silence that filled the room. Like being underwater, sounds existed, but somehow felt distant. Add this one to the rest of them, said one of the men calmly as he pointed to the corner of the room. Tip followed the man's finger and saw three young boys tied up and naked in the corner. They were all shivering, their bodies covered in lacerations and bruises, their eyes puffy from crying. For the moment, they held a stunned, hopeful silence as Tip looked at them. Jack quickly pulled an arrow from his quiver and shot it at the man giving the orders. The arrow zipped through the air and found itself lodged in the wall behind its target. The bandit laughed at the situation. His laughter soon became coughing sputters of blood as a trickle of red ran from the small hole in his throat. His eyes widened as the warm blood began to cool making its way down his chest. His knees buckled, and he collapsed on the floor. The rest of the men looked at their fallen comrade, twitching and gurgling, as he died in a pool of his own blood. Two of the men focused their attention on Tip and charged. The other two charged at Pumpkin Jack. With all the ease and finesse of a seasoned warrior, Tip raised his sword into the air. The first man dropped to the ground, as his guts spilled from a fine cut, stretching from the left side of his hip to the right side of his chest. The other man did not let the fall of his fellow raider slow him. Tip quickly repositioned his blade and braced himself on one knee as the man ran himself into it. He gave it a twist before standing up. He thrust the blade further into the man's abdomen before taking several steps back. As he pulled the blade out, the raider stumbled backward. He tripped over his fallen compatriot before falling to the floor himself. Jack pulled another arrow from his quiver, but had no time to shoot it. Instead, he simply, without thinking, drove it into the head of his first attacker, right between the eyes. Jack's incredible strength, paired with the finely sharpened point of his arrow, made for little resistance. It pierced the man's skull like a hot knife cutting through butter on a warm day. The man dropped to the ground, his body convulsing wildly as Jack placed a foot on his chest and pulled the arrow from his skull with a small thuck and a spurt of blood. As Jack stood up, he flipped his bow upward, the string facing out, 
The second bandit ran into it, causing a thin red line to form on his neck, where a small but not lethal cut began to bleed. He stumbled backward as Pumpkin Jack stepped forward. Wrapping his large wooden hand around the raider's face, he pushed him back. He continued to push the man through the room until they reached the pot of boiling water. Jack gave one more thrust, causing the man to fall, ass first, into it. Even this was not enough for the pumpkin man to feel satisfied. He walked around the cauldron and placed his hand to the man's head and forced it down into the boiling water. The bandit's feet swung up and kicked wildly in the air as his screams escaped in the form of frantic bubbles. Jack was largely unable to feel pain anywhere but his head. With the bandits dead and bleeding on the floor and boiling in the pot, Tip gathered a collection of blankets from the floor and draped them around each of the children huddled in the corner. Hide, he said calmly. We will come back and let you know when it's safe. And if we don't come back, run as fast and as far as you can. The rest of the day was spent in a similar manner. The raiders' numbers dwindled, until eventually all that was left were inexperienced recruits, unwilling to share the same fate as their fallen brethren. Before making their way out of town, Tip and Pumpkin Jack returned to the children with what little food they could scavenge along with a small collection of clothing. Still wary of strangers, they hesitantly took the offerings, but neglected to make any verbal thanks. Are you sure we should just leave them here? asked Jack, as Tip mounted the tree horse. We can't very well take a bunch of kids with us, replied Tip. What if the bandits come back? I don't think there's any bandits left, replied Tip, as he held up a bloodied hand. You know what I mean. What if other bandits show up? These children need protection. So protect them. I'm not going to stop you. Jack did not respond. Look, we saved them, we fed them, we clothed them. We can't be everything to everyone all the time. If we stay here, who will save the next village, the next munchkin farm, or slay the next monster? Who will... Fine. I get it. Besides, those kids aren't going to follow us anywhere. The damage has already been done. They aren't going to follow anyone they don't trust. And they aren't going to trust anyone for a long time. Not even the ones that saved them. 